Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Cycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Eliza and I will be your cheerful host tonight for the first hour. <laughs> and then we'll see how it goes in the second hour. I got uh, We're going to take it down a bit, get a little real and serious. Yeah. But the first hour. Subjects, darling. All Subjects. the fun, all the fun. Uh, joining me in the studio tonight, we got Num Nuts Matt. Howdy ho, it's Matt. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Uh, so are we running with that, Num Nuts Matt? It works. That's you, what I heard, You accepted yeah. the, the bestowment of, okay, <laughs> it works. here's your chance. Signed, sealed, delivered. I see I'm you light yours. your beard on fire right now, and we'll call you Blackbeard. Oh, oh I. <laughs> to smell a lot of no. And uh, if you hear that chewing sounds, that will be from the lovely Miss Emma. Aloha, darling. No, I am. I've just been given a packet of haichu. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. From Jim. Um, Akai Berry. That's the second time I heard that joke today. I can smell it. <laughs> I can smell it across the room. Oh, it's, uh, no, they're very good indeed. Yeah, they're, they're delicious. For sure. Yeah. Mm. And they're, they're very chewy. Okay, tell us more. Um, well, I'm fascinated Ma- by the no, story. Ma- tell me more. Water. Tell me more. Can you do that from Greece? <laughs> so apparently, tell me more. No, tell me more. No, pay attention, darling. Um, if I were to eat the whole package, which I doubt whether I will, um, it's 220 calories, of which. Um, total carbs are 42 grams, which are 15% oh. of your day. Oh, I'm sorry. There's something wrong with her microphone. It's cutting out. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. I f- loose wire. It's you would uh, swell up like the girl on Willy Wonka. I would. Like, I, would, you would. I, would I would turn purple. Get stuck in a tube. And match my trident. <laughs> <laughs> Roto-Rooter trident for sure. <laughs> Roto-Rooter purple. So, in what could be a good decision or a bad decision, <laughs> we've was. let uh, Naked Jim sit on the classic girl couch. Right? Naked Jim. <laughs> I just realized that. You, you look very uncomfortable, first of all. You haven't figured out the slouch <clears throat> that Emma has has figured out on the couch. No, if I slouched like that, I would not be getting up at the end of the podcast. <laughs> so, no, no, no. Do you need, do you mean, need me to get you a pillow? No, I feel support. great. Emma's, Emma's rubbing my back. She's all the support I also, ever need. Also, you two this right close there. together, there's going to be just... Full warning. There's probably going to be some squeals or squeals. Oh, wait till the haichu kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Haichu. And all the way across the room for me, it's Douglas. In my own little corner. Thanks. <laughs> yes. We'll call you baby. <laughs> Do you have a cone I could put on my head? <laughs> so we did stuff this weekend. Oh, yeah, we did. No, we forgot someone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Well, he did stuff too. It's yeah. Bagel. <laughs> Greetings from the home of the Oregon Country Fair. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Nice. Really? You yep. got all country. Yes. Ooh. Did you go? Yes. It's, it's, our, our town has been invaded. <laughs> yes, I went. Were what's your, what's your favorite uh, part? Do they have like the, the show chickens? Do they have sta- statues made favorite. of butter? Ooh. No, no, no. It's not, it's not a county fair. It is a country, country fair. Pig wrangling? Which is kind of like a big hippie festival. Oh, and it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a Renaissance fair that's been taken over by hippies. Did you get Maybe nude? That like that. Is there nudity? Uh, I didn't, but lots of people did. <laughs> Emma, there there was a lot of that going around, and oh. uh, yeah, there are all kinds of like food and vendors and little crafts. Oh, and, well, and like different, uh, you know, 
different groups had had different uh, you know booths set up, and it was it was really cool. Probably like tofu and yogurt without any proper flavor. I prefer show chickens. Stuff like that. <laughs> there, there was tofu there, yes, and oh, yogurt. God, among other things, some really good salad. Soy too, I gotta drink. Say. Oh God! <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I did not try that. Oh, <laughs> Sounds revolting. But it was a good time. Oh my word! <laughs> oh, and motorcycles! Motorcycles got yeah. to park free, which was great. Hey! Oh, okay. nice. What yeah. about scooters? Double price and scooters too. Oh, of course. Nice. Yeah, well, so many um, thanks to to Oregon Country Fair for that. This was one of this is the like this is going to be the cavalcade of fun weekends this month, but. This weekend, it was great. Um, had good company, saw lots of people, did stuff, came home, ate some good food, got some ice cream. Like, it was just like everything was just so nice when you're just like, this is nice. But um, it started on Friday. I wasn't supposed to, but um, I played hooky with Jim, who plays hooky every plays other Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, let's go to the races. Uh, Moto America here at Laguna Seca. This is something that's been going on ever since, I think, was it 2005, 2006, the first MotoGP that came to Laguna Seca? 2006. I thought it was 2006, yeah. And it's uh, then MotoGP left and Moto America stepped in. And the event has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller every year. And I used to be bummed about that like the marketplace used to go all the way to that back parking lot now it's just here in this little circle you know but this year it was different i appreciated that it was mm-hmm. a smaller event i it finally i think it settled into i dropped the expectations of this giant massive event to this is a wonderful weekend that on friday there was hardly anyone there right but i I want you to clarify, Liza. Yeah. It's a smaller event, but it is not a small event. No, it's not. It's it's still is, is a massive event. You get world class talent. Yeah. Um, you get all the stuff. I mean, anything you could possibly want to see, anything you could possibly want to buy, is there. Mm-hmm. It's just there's not crowds going halfway down the street. Yeah. On um Friday, um, we went up to the famous corkscrew where we discovered they put a beer garden up on the point Ooh, with nice. tables and chairs. Jade. Yeah, it was nice. And we were like the only ones there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're in Carmel Valley when you just like, fuck it, I'm going to buy a bottle of wine to bring home. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cause we're sitting at this killer view above the corkscrew. And there was like eight, and you could see most of the track. From yeah. The there's location. like eight people up at the corkscrew on Friday. Nothing. Also, as we learned from Emma, they didn't give a poop where you rode your bike. Nope. They got a little more, a little more controlling, I think, on Saturday when the crowd. Yeah, you out. rode to the top of the court. She screw. rode to the top of the no, court. No on her Harley. You just do it. Nice. That's the thing. If, yeah. Here's your listener tip at, <laughs> yeah. at, at Laguna. Just, just pretend. Just ride well, like you know where you're yeah, going. You gotta be, gotta be confident. Just. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you some top tips about visiting Laguna Seca. Um, one, be bold and just ride your bike everywhere, but not like it. Just ride it. Carefully, if you're wearing a blue cowboy hat, it helps. <laughs> um, on a more serious note, always try and find shade. Always try and make sure you have enough to drink and find somewhere comfortable. Because the one thing about Laguna Seca, it's it's like it gets pretty hot in there. 
It's a natural amphitheater, mm-hmm. and it gets hotter than Hades. Always hot, but it's always windy. But so it's you don't windy. you don't necessarily know how baked you're getting. Yeah, and you'll well, be lying in your bed that night and you'll think, Christ, I'm on fire. Well the la- the name literally means dry lake. Yeah. Right, exactly. And it does get hot. So if you're visiting Laguna for the first time, um Try and find yourself a shady spot. Make sure you have plenty to drink. But that was the other nice thing about it not being crowded is we could find places to sit all over the place. Oh, the yeah. views of the track, right? A yeah. couple of different places, like all over. So it was yeah. it was great. Yeah. And running into people that we knew or listeners, you know, hey, right. I recognize your voice. It was great. Um, I need to make uh, an official... Uh, apology. I want to. I want to make an official. This apology, is a rarity. Right? Very, no, very. this is a bi- this is a big one. This one is hard for me. Um, the Moto America races have changed a lot. Yes, they looked a lot different, and there were a lot of new vendors and new attendees that didn't used to come. Mm. Um. When they added last year King of the Baggers. Oh, that is wild. I thought it was a gimmick. I thought it was just, you know, like to to make it a little fun, make it hokey. Yeah. They made some serious legit race bikes. Oh, yeah. With it came the Harley crowd and the Harley money. Right. So I've always said I love the bikes. I hate the riders. Right. <laughs> So I am now issuing an official apology to all the cool Harley riders who came to Laguna Seca and are supporting the racing. Because without the vendor dollars from not just Harley and Indian, but all the big twin companies that supply, you know, Windvest windshields and all these things, without that money, I don't know if the circuit would survive. Well, what one of the things? Wow. What was one thing notably absent from the general field area? Ducati Island. No Ducati Island. No Ducati really? Island. Really? And there's times mm. I mean, there would seem like there'd be like a hundred bikes. Yeah. So right? it used to be you yeah. know Ducati Island for all the Ducatis for the Ducatistas. But what did you have this year? The Harley special, special parking, parking in the dirt parking Harley lot. <laughs> but. They catered to the Harley. Well, and since we were both riding big twins. Was that on the island or no? No, but it was closer to the bridge than the island. Right. To get over to the other area. So there's a bridge. It was a nice nice parking spot. The first day, I just rode straight up to the corkscrew because it's what they were. And then I rode back down. Mm. Um, and parked in the proper motorcycle parking, which I like because you could check your bags and everything. Right, right. Um, The second day, when I went on Saturday, I actually parked in the Harley spot. Um, and it was nice parking because you're right there. I mean, you 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 you're far closer in mm-hmm. to the vendors and the the pits than you yeah. are in the regular. We parking. all ended up, I think, parking in the Harley. It's funny. I was by the bike one time, and this Harley dude walks by, and he's like, "One of these bikes is not yeah. like the other." Well, Jim was on the Africa two, and I was on my KTM. I'm like, "These are big twins. They belong." Yeah, mm-hmm. I like. I don't care. Even though technically people paid for that parking, but anyway. But anyway, um. I just know when I first walked in, I'm like, what the heck is this? The marketplace had been taken over by Harley and Indian and leather chaps and all these things that I'm like, what the heck? Right. And then when I saw all the people attending on Harleys wearing their chaps and mm. their leather vests, yeah, and, you thought and I went, hang on. The strokers. 
they're keeping this alive. Yeah, that's good. Well, the and Baggers has brought in a whole new audience, and what it was pointed out to me, this is exposing these these type of people to other bikes and styles. Right. Now they're like cheering on the sport bikes going around. You well, know? And not only that, but Harley also provided test rides, which what Yamaha and oh, well, there was Livewire. Livewire, I'm sorry, Livewire. I know it's different. Indian. Livewire and Yamaha. Yeah, so uh, no Suzuki, no Honda. I, right? I, I, Look how I, that's changed. I wrote Livewire. Yeah, so Indian and Livewire, two American companies, right? Providing right. testing. So, yeah. But he's the. So he, hold he, on. Well, I, just, okay. I just want to just clarify. So my apologies to all those leather clad weekend Harley riders. Like Emma. Who <laughs> love riding and, and love all motorcycling and come to the races. You are my people. So I apologize for judging you previously. There you go. That's not me. Oh. You rode your Harley. I, you, did you ride your Harley to the races? Yes, but the only reason I ride my Harley is so I can wear my assless chaps. It's <laughs> the only reason, and nothing else. Yes. Um, and no, propellers on your just in case. Pieces. Just, just <laughs> <laughs> they make noises like, um, like a dinosaur. Just in case anybody hasn't had a chance to see King of the Baggers. It's one thing seeing it on TV. When you see it actually in the flesh, oh, yeah. it is it's amazing. It's very entertaining. Well, not just in the flesh, when you're going into the pits and seeing right. them, it's these cool. bikes up close. The so, I mean, cool. these are wow. big bikes. They're, they're, every <laughs> they're inch, boats. They're, they're, they're every inch race, race bikes, but mm-hmm. they're, they weigh 600 pounds. Um, Harley are not disclosing how many horsepower they are, but there's plenty. Very... Tr- Tricked out suspension, and of course they're baggers, so they've got little fairings yeah, and everything's everything's scraping as they go by. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and they like have these pipes are tiny, tiny little hundred pound guys on them yeah. wrestling yeah. these. It is very entertaining. And women, and, and women. women. There was a woman um, racer, and it's very entertaining. And racing. the noise of them. So I didn't. Oh yeah, I mean, there's nothing that sounds like them. <laughs> it was um, crazy. It's um, it's like fighter planes going yeah. around the track. It's it it really is a lot of fun to watch. So it's not like we're getting short shrift by including these. What Mm-mm. I think you thought were comedy bikes. Well, it, it is very entertaining it, racing. Mm-hmm. In that yeah. vein, like what I enjoyed a lot was the the super hooligan class. Right? Oh God! You got everything because on the it was. Track. Track. Hold on. You had Ducati. <laughs> okay. You had BMW. So, you had. Uh, so yeah, in the Super Hooligan, you've got Energy Ken and and Zero because Super Hooligan are street bikes that are then just made into race bikes. Um, you had uh, Ducati yeah, Hypermotards. Hyper yeah. You had um, BMW R9T. Yep. You had the Indian. Um, yeah, the Indians. The FTR. Yeah. FTR. Harley Dinas. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, there was, oh, KTM. I don't know if that was an 890. I'm not sure what that was. It was, it was I think it was an 890 Duke. Yeah. Like, yeah, there were a few of those. All these completely different bikes. The fact that there's Just the variety was a wicked. Zero yeah. and a Dyna. And all and, the different noises. And a, a Hyper Motard, all in the same race. Yeah, because it would be like, brr, 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 <laughs> and i want to give a shout out to our friend mike moore who uh we're hanging out with super cool dude who showed me a great viewing spot i wasn't aware of i thought you were going to say he showed you a very good time 
Uh, he he did, and, and I, I complimented his ass later. He looks very good in jeans. No, actually, he, he, he does. He he has yeah. got a perfect ass. Well, he's fit. He does. He's a handsome fit man. Yes. Yes. Um. So ch- he was camping with his buddies up in the campground, turn six, which is right at the bottom of the backside of the corkscrew. So people come up the hill uh, from turn five, and it's a left turn with that dip in the in the Ugh. apex. Then up the hill, which now you're going up the hill blind into then a left turn down in the corkscrew that you can't see. And this viewing spot um, is literally just looking down on the riders, almost straight down on the riders as they're in this turn and then heading up the hill. Yeah, totally tucked away. No idea it was there. Yeah, it's the campground and there's just like a handful of people walk down the hill to the little fence that Mm -hmm. is literally hanging on the edge of the track and cool. you're right there. And then to see them charging up the hearing where they're shift. Well, the amount awesome. of skid marks in that part of the track, oh, yeah. there's just like Kate, like skid marks all over the place and lines going out into the rocks. So, yeah. So we were finding little great spots and cool. going around the track, watching stuff. The, um, yeah, the, the Super Hooligan was pretty crazy. Yeah, just the, the variety was nice. FTR, Indian FTRs. I don't, I'm not sure who won, but they were looking good. Did you go today, yesterday and Friday? So we went Friday and Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, a lot more people. Yeah. Um, but still, not too much. There no, it was great. wasn't too much. Well, I thought it was cool because we got the modal, the lubricant people, whatever mm-hmm. you would call them. They had a cool. Uh, viewing area like down at the was it turn i guess two three um a nice spot with it was shady and i'm gonna brag on emma because she won't brag on herself mm-hmm. she had some of her restored bikes displayed oh yeah there's a, a nice. basically a, a what do you call this building it's it was like, all uppity it's where the uppity it's, it's, it's yeah, where the italians shows. were yeah, it's with where no the, socks so it's the poshos the loafers with yeah no socks. in the pit area there's this two-story glass wall <laughs> building that's just no wide socks. open that they do like Usually they'll park cars or like display stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the Jameson and uh, Moto Talbot had vintage bikes on display in there. Like nice. they set up a little museum in this building. That was really nice. Right. And they had um, they had uh, the water buffalo. Mm-hmm. And they had um, the, the commando, the green commando, um, yeah. which I still maintain is the best bike. Yeah, not just the thought. commando, the commando. The yeah. commando. And then um, they had a 83 Electric Start Triumph I built, which actually isn't a, a particularly special bike, but it was a, pretty much the last gasp for Triumph in Meriden. And it's got its place in history, and it's a pretty bike. Hmm. Um, it, is that Commando still on Mike Corbin's webpage? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there's also, we did some test rides that I want to talk a little mm. bit about. But before we do that, should we play our, our interview? Why not, Liza? So um, we do, we managed to get one interview. We uh, we weren't really good. <laughs> we're slackers. <laughs> we're slackers. Um, but it was one that I thought was really interesting. So our friend Stefano, uh, who runs Energica, Energica, Energica uh, motorcycles, Energica. electric motorcycles. I uh, he was there, entered in the race. Uh, and what was interesting, even though they had supplied the Moto e-bikes at one point, they didn't bring a Moto e-bike. They brought the Re- Rebel, which is a street bike that you can buy, right? And he got this racer from Colombia, this 
tiny little guy named little Stefano. Guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. went to go interview Stefano and Stefano because uh, Stefano had never ridden electric before. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's in the race on on this bike. So it was a bit of a learning curve for them. Uh, trying to get it all set up. And uh, right. so we talked to this Stefano and Stefano, and I think I can play that for you here. Let's go. We are ready. So uh, here we are at Laguna Seca. It's Friday, July the 8th. We are at, in my opinion, one of the greatest racing events on the West Coast. Oh, hold on. That was a really bad sound. There's a lot of background noise because right now we're in the pits. This is a very exciting interview. We're at the Energica tent. Did did she say that right? Yes, fine. (laughs) Well done. Now you should. The general pronunciation is Energica, but we are in America, so Energica, Energica. Yes, you know that voice. We've interviewed Stefano before. He's always been very gracious with his time with the Misfits. Um, so it's going to be a very short interview because I know you're busy. We're with Stefano. We're with Stefano as well. Yes. This is racer. Yes. Two different Stefanos. In fact, Stefano the racer, where are you from? I'm Colombian myself. Yeah, there you go. So where do we begin? Stefano. Stefano the company yeah 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 so how is it going for you it's exciting it's the first uh, let's say competition against gasoline bikes so you know it's something new and uh, uh, it's very challenging because we are using a street legal bike so you know it's um, there are several I mean there are some technical constraints that uh, we have to find a balance in order to be challenging but we are here to find the best solution, and Stefano, the fast one, and not me, <laughs> is doing a great job to find uh, the limit of the bike, and it was outstanding to see the practice session. I mean, seeing a 135 lap time is, whoa. I was scared that it was riding too fast, honestly, because um, not many electric bikes have done that lap time before, in general. Yeah but he was doing for laps and laps. So it's something that uh, here, at least in Laguna, we are looking at something that has never been done. We are great to be here. Mostly not, never been done with a street legal platform, right. not yeah. with a one-off or racing-only project. And I wanted to ask, but because you didn't bring a race bike, you brought no, it, the Rebel. Uh, yeah, Stefano, we race in the Super Hooligans. And the Super Hooligans is a series for a um, production bike, uh, Street Fighter production bike. And so we race with our production bike, Street uh, Fighter. Yeah. So the Iva Rebel is what we have. And yeah, I mean. Right, so let's go to Stefano the Fast. Um, <laughs> You don't get really a factory ride with an Energica without having some history. What was the last gasoline bike you were competitive on? Uh, pretty much, I race, I race Moto America, I do the stock 1000 class and right, okay. 600 Super Sport. So that's as good a place as any to start. It's a gasoline bike, it's manual transmission, it's got a clutch, it's, fuel, it's got everything. Correct. Now you're riding this thing. Yeah, now it's different. A oh, lot of, it's very a lot, different. A lot of torque, no gears, no clutch, so it's definitely, definitely 
it's a little different, you know, just trying to get the hang of it. We were here last week doing a few laps on it, so we got a little bit of data to collect it together to make the bike better for this weekend. Okay, now what about the weight? Because nobody accused these bikes of being lightweight. How are you coping <laughs> with that? They're not. I believe the bike's around 560 pounds right now, maybe right. a little bit heavier. We're around that weight. And what was your Motor America bike? Uh, my 1000, which is the heavy bike, is about 405 pounds, so right. it's definitely a few hundred pounds more you know right that's like two of you yeah almost <laughs> almost yeah right but you're still turning consistent lap times and i'm told that's the key of a good race bike and a good rider consistent times so you're obviously finding your happy pet place on it yeah how stefano said we've learned a lot from the bike and what the bike can do and uh, we're trying to uh do my riding style a little bit so it fits the bike a little bit more and trying to adapt to it. Uh, this morning we were able to do some fast laps and then we got into a decent pace so it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, we're going to have to do a lot of data and a lot of stuff on the bike to be competitive in the class. Uh, we finished P6 this morning in the practice. So that's definitely very good. We did what, what position? P6. Oh, fantastic. So it's definitely very good. We did. We realistically, we didn't think we were going to be that good, you know. So. I have a question for you. What to you is the biggest change, the biggest difference that you have to overcome and learn this bike doing? Uh, I think it's mostly about the engine braking and how the whole, the whole drivetrain works with the bike, you know. Uh, we have gears that when we go down on gears and the big butt and the other in the uh, gasoline bikes uh, we have a lot of engine braking so it was pretty cool to see how the engine braking on this bike works and what it does and just everything the bike's so heavy and trying to get the bike stopped into the corner is very different you know uh, I found myself trying to look for the clutch lever for the gear the gear selector a few times you know but it's just about getting used to it, you know, it's the future, so it's pretty cool to be a part of it. And they're working on the bike to make it better for you. Right now, as we speak, um, there is a scientist, there is a real-life scientist actually working on the bike. The only thing missing is the light lab, white lab coat. But, um, so I'm guessing he's getting everything just so and getting the suspension dialed in, getting the power delivery dialed in. Yeah, we went from the practice to the qualifying. We have qualifying in a few hours, so uh, we put a new set of rubbers on there and we did a little bit of suspension changes and we're trying to get the chassis a little bit more set up so we could try and go that pace the whole race, you know? I've got a question for you. Just answer as honestly as you can. I don't think anybody's expecting this bike to come first. Could you win on it, though? That's a hard... Right know, now, I, right now that's a very hard one. Uh. It's a call for bad luck. No reply on that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do our best and... The bike is definitely competitive, you know? Yeah. Being the first time out in P6 is very good, you know? Uh, yeah. In front, the first five guys, you could say they're factory riders. There's three Indians and then two KTMs. Uh, they've done the whole season and last season as well on those bikes. So they definitely have a lot more data, right? And so uh, this is your this is how many times have you ridden this bike on the track? I've ridden it once last weekend, so I have about yeah. 22 laps on the bike. But yeah. you place P6. Yeah. You, this, yeah. So this good is show, good show. He's P6 on a bike he's ridden for a few days. Yeah. 
I'm going to be looking out for this bike tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Stefano. Thank you, Stefano. Thank you. Thank and you. congratulations. Yeah. You found a good rider. He's the man. Well, there you <laughs> go. Thank you. Awesome. And pretty cool, huh? How yeah. big a field were they in with with, um, with the place sixth place? Shoot, there was like Emma. How many? Like fifteen? I'm not sure. No, it's t- I think it was close to twenty. Oh, so wow. I mean, it was, it was, it was good placing. It was a competitive bike. Um, it sounded like the competition between the different bikes is all over the place. So as far as fast bikes, slow bikes, right? And so, how did he do? Well, he said he he was uh, like sixth place uh, running. Oh, I, amongst them all, I don't oh. think they placed in the in the race itself. Okay. I don't think they did um, that. Yeah, well those in, were I think qualifying times. Yeah, um, uh, technical difficulties, right, but right. it's it's going to be a competitive bike. I mean, the but, problem, of course, is weight. But yeah. I do I do believe the Ener- Energica was faster than the Zero. Yes. And I was told mostly because the Energica... Um, it's got a lot more power. Uh, more power, but also water-cooled, so yes. they can push it harder. So yeah, less right. constraints there. So it was cool. it was a fascinating, interesting race. So the hooligan class, this is what, what they were competing in, is that correct? Yeah. And so that was all kinds of different bikes, as you guys mentioned <clears> before. So what's like the common thread in this hooligan class... That uh, all the bikes have to meet in order to compete against. It's each a street other. bike. It's a bike made production street bike. So anybody could bring in whatever they wanted to ride. Just get it dialed in for the race as the race officials need it, and there you go. Right. What yeah. about what about aftermarket parts and and? I don't know what all the restrictions. Do you have to keep it for, stock for that or? Oh well, no, no. They're, you're, you're no, you're allowed your to modify the bike, stuff. but you know that you you're bound within constraints. They say yes, you can. Um, you can change the suspension, but you can't go beyond right. that. So run what you brung mostly. Mostly. Yeah, stock frame, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it was That was pretty interesting. Um, oh, uh, Jim, who has left the room. He's he, checking his valves probably. He's checking his valves. <laughs> uh, we did a test ride, and you did as well. Yes. Emma, you want to give a review of your test ride? So um, I've yet to ride a live wire, and I thought, Wow, you know, they've got all these live wires lined up, these very pretty pearl white live wires. And I thought, oh, I'll have a go. And it was Friday, and there was no line whatsoever. I literally walked up and said, hey, I want to ride a live wire. And they say, well, you can um, you know, ride one in 10 minutes. Go and get your gear. Oh, you guys didn't go at Laura Lisgrade, right? No. And let me tell you something. Have you ever done the test rides there? Uh, yeah. So usually you leave... We're going to say you can make a left and you go up and make a right at the light and go over Laurelless Grade, which we've mentioned um, when we were talking to Gordon from the Quail. Yes. Like this perfect road that goes over the mountain, yeah. over to Carmel, and there's a winery there that they use the parking lot to like turn around, and then they bring everyone back over this perfect curvy grade, and nobody was going there. I'm like, what's? why isn't anyone going there? Someone, a new person bought the winery and doesn't want any motorcycles in the parking lot. Uh, so now they just bananas. do like a, a lap around Laguna Seca on the highways around there. Yeah. That's it. it. And it was like, what? That was, that was a disappointment. Um, so I, I, I mean, we'll get to the bike. The problem is when you're presented with an electric bike and the same applies to Zeros, the same applies to Energicas, it's so different to what you're used to. It's very, very hard to be objective about it. So all you can do with the live wire 
is say, well, how is it in comparison to a zero? How is it in comparison to an Energica or, you know, a Brahmo, if you want to go back there? I actually didn't have a bad time on it. Um, I had a better time on it than I thought. Um, it's a very agile bike. It's big. It's big and quite heavy. Not cumbersome, but it's definitely got a bit of weight to it. Ergonomically, I didn't like it at all. It was I was too far forward, and the handlebar was kind of turned out a little bit. I felt my elbows were flapping out a little bit. With a little bit more of a bend on a handlebar or just have them brought back, I would have been a lot happier. All right. um, but in terms of what it did, I mean, it braked very well. It went very well. It built power very well. In a lot of in a lot of ways, it reminded me of my old GS eleven hundred. The way it just it builds power. Um, you wind you wind it open and it goes. Um, it's very very nicely built. It's probably in terms of build quality, it looks. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not necessarily talking about engineering all the all the sparky bits that I don't understand. Um, but the the fit and finish is probably the nicest electric bike I've ridden so far. Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, whether you like them or not, nobody can say that Harley don't finish their bikes well because they do. Mm. Um, they they put a great deal of effort into how the things actually kind of bolt together and how the finishes look, and it was a very very nice looking bike. Um, but I had a lovely chat with uh, a couple of the people at the tent afterwards, and you know, I said, you need. I'm really trying to embrace electric bikes, but in a lot of ways, it's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, mm. it's something I feel that we all have to, we, we're going to have to get used to it. And they agreed completely. And they said, you know, I mean, it's it's still flawed technology. Yeah. Um, and they, they said, look, we're very, very proud of what we've put out here. But, you know, there's still a way to go. It only fits some writing uh, criteria, right, and styles. The, and that was the rub yeah, with right the live wire. I'm not sure who the audience is going to be. I'm not sure who the buying buyers of this bike are going to be because you're not going to get off a diner and get on the live wire and feel happy on it. Right, right. Um, and conversely, so now you're mm. going to s- appeal to somebody who may not have any motorcycle experience and the Harley Davidson brand means very little to them. Well, hang on. <laughs> as you say. Yes. There are different types of Harley riders as I have learned and Oh, no, absolutely. There are the ones that have three Harleys in their garage yep. and I go, "What are you doing?" But then there're the ones that have the Harley and the scooter and the dirt bike and the R1. And they're the ones who want variety, who understand each bike and its purpose. So you might get somebody with a Dyna who then also would have this, you Fun- know, and a Vespa. Funnily enough, the one thing that we talked about um, with the people at Livewire in the tent, we said this is an absolutely perfect second bike. Yeah. It really is a perfect second bike. But then we, you come into the, the problem is, like, who's got 35 large to drop on a second bike? Yeah, yeah. that's a big obstacle yeah. for a lot you of know, people who are interested in that. But there are, and that's well, the thing, and all these companies are filling, there are people who fit that criteria. Sure. And yeah, I mean... The other thing too is that there are people who will drop that much money on building a chopper yeah. as well. Oh, right, yeah. for I, sure. And the money doing something absolutely different here. Um, um, but it, I want to be absolutely clear. It was a it was a pleasant bike to ride. 
I ride motorcycles because to me it's a very, very visceral experience. I like the feel of the bike. I like manhandling it around. The RF suits me just fine because it's got all the power. It does absolutely everything I could. And it's just enough of a dinosaur that you really have to be very careful with it because if you do something wrong, I mean, Rufus will kill me in a heartbeat. Um, and I kind of like that. The the Harley, very pleasant to ride. It's not a Harley. But, yeah, you know, quite, quite a detached <laughs> experience. You know, you 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 very much feel as if you're manipulating, you know, a, a machine rather than something with with a little more character to it. But I did, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'd at at a fraction of the price, yeah. I would absolute would Emma have one as a second bike? Absolutely, second bike. <laughs> well, to add, yeah. um, so Jim and I did some test rides at Yamaha. So, you know, Jim's in the market for something to replace his FC1, a, a commuter bike, daily rider. Mm-hmm. And so they had the uh, the Tracer, which... Uh, oh, that's the MT-09. No, the Tracer is not it, the MT-09. Well, the... the, the, the it's the three same cylinder. engine as the MT-09, the FJ-09. Yeah. It's the three-cylinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he wanted to try that, and he's looking for, um, yeah, basically an upright bike. I think the Tracer is in the same category as the Versus. It's kind of an overlooked right. bike because it's not exciting. It's not, you know. Just there. It's just, it'll yeah, yeah it'll do everything you need it right, to do. Right. But, um, so he hopped on that, and then I hopped on a Super Tenere, the 1200. Just for fun, because last time I test rode the Tenere 700, which I already decreed is the replacement, the better Swiss Army knife than the KLR or the DR 650. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there, and there was one guy between me and Jim who was on one of the the Tenere 700s. So I'm taking off, and I'm right behind the leader, so I can't, you know, slingshot or do anything. I'm just kind of staying behind him. Um, would I own a Tenere, a Super Tenere? I'm going to put it on my, I could own one of these one day, based upon that seat. That seat was wide, (laughs) and I immediately felt at home and comfortable. Function and purpose aside, here was a bike that I just felt comfortable on immediately and had plenty of power, but it felt very controllable and nice. Would I use it for an adventure bike? No. Would I use it for just like a... A long distance bike or everyday bike. Yeah, I could do that. Um, I enjoyed it. And so Jim and I were on comms and we're kind of telling each other about the bikes. And he's like, uh, yeah, this bike's nice. I like the wind coverage is good. It's got an adjustable windshield, you know. And mm-hmm. he's critiquing. And then he goes, holy shit. <laughs> the guy in front of you, in front of me just did a wheelie. The dude on the Tenere <laughs> 700 was like, He's like, hold on, hold on, wait. Oh, there he goes again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck is going on behind me, right? And then he's like, all right, hold on, we're, we're turning this light. Let's see what happens. Oh, he did a standing wheelie. <laughs> this dude was just giving it the beans every chance and doing friggin' wheelies on the highways around Laguna Seca in in a group. In a in a yes. uh, and this was a demo ride. Demo and ride. a demo ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
So uh, afterwards, we immediately, I'm like, I want to talk to that guy. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, you should have interviewed him too. Yeah, so we went and talked to him. Was and his name Stefano? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he rides a KTM. He does adventure riding and dirt riding, all that stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I would totally rock one of these. He goes, it was, it was a blast. Uh, plenty of power. He goes, of course, I'm going to have to do a lot of upgrades, suspension, and all that stuff. But he was really testing it out. And he, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I can totally do this. I mean, he's like, bang for the buck. Oh, yeah, you're getting a great bike for the amount of money. Nice. So that was nice to get his assessment on that. And then um, there was something else that we saw there that was kind of interesting that if you really didn't know what you were looking at, hmm. You wouldn't know how interesting it was. But fortunately for us, our good friend Alan Smith, who, you know, the uh, the guy who shows up on the um, uh, the full Vetter fairing bike, yeah. he has the Ninja 250 that he's done, I think, like 186 miles per yeah. gallon on, right? Yeah. Crazy stuff, right? Uh-huh. So Alan was there at the Corbin booth. And in front of a bike, I've been seeing on social media, I've been seeing the progression. I didn't know Alan was involved. And the bike is a lightning strike. So not the LS218 that lightning makes, but the strike. It's their lesser, more you know, day-to-day model right. um, that Alan has been working with them. And they have, uh, it's not called fully fairing. Is that partial fairing? What do you call that, Emma? It's got a tail, like a boat tail. And it's got a, like, a whole front nose, but it's got cutouts for you to step into it on the sides. Yeah, uh, that's a partial fairing. So, well, it's partial fairing, but, but it's, it's still... But it's frame-mounted fairing. It's not yeah. It's not on the forks. It's not a big... Yeah, it's a half fairing. Um, yeah. No, it is attached to the forks. The lower half is a... Oh, it's a, a composite. Turret. So yeah. the the way it, yeah, these were in vogue for a while in the late seventies. Remember the first XS elevens came with them, and some goozies. And you'd have like the bikini on the front, which turned with the handlebars, and then the lowers, which were fixed well, to the frame. So it's this, like a composite. This looked like like a submarine mm. front that went down almost completely to the ground. Uh-huh. But when you looked Ooh. at it, the front of it had a. Like a, a like a bite out of it, just a line, mm. and the pieces fit so well together. But that bottom half was attached to the forks and could pivot hmm. with the wheel. I'd like to see a photo of this. Um, so it had yeah, a fairing on the wheel. Yeah, because I think so, I grasped the concept. Yeah, but it, yeah. The it. lower half was split from the top half, but such a tight fit you barely noticed. But it would pivot. It was attached to the forks and would pivot uh-huh. with the forks, and the upper half stayed. With the frame, interesting. I yeah, see. it's really interesting, and hmm. um, but it has lights front and rear, even though it's got this whole boat tail. So uh, I talked to Alan, and here's what they're doing. Because you know, uh, um, Richard Hatfield, he's always like trying to like break records, Pikes Peak, mm. and all this stuff, right? Well, Alan Smith is going to pilot this cross country and try and uh, set a new record for cross country um, in the U.S. from east to west coast. Cool. Wow. And I believe, like, didn't like three people in the past year set new records one after the other? I think they got it down to like 57 hours on an electric vehicle. Dang. And I'm just making pulling numbers out of my ass. Um, the record for the Cannonball Cross Country on a gas bike is what's that now? Like 32 hours or something? I don't know. 
I remember when Carl did, I thought it was 38 and somebody else did it, maybe like 36, 30-something. Yeah, maybe 36. So not that big of a difference from electric to to gas, but the gas bikes weren't fully fairing like this. Right, right. And that's the trick. He's like, he uh, he gets, uh, Bagel, tell me if I'm off. He gets like 10 times the distance with the full, almost fully fared. Um, three times, maybe it's three times. Maybe three maybe times. Maybe it's three times. Possible. So he has, yeah. doesn't have to charge as much. So maybe. yeah, Alan thinks he can do it in in like um, I think uh, fifty hours. So he's gonna set that record, wow. and then the bike. And then Alan's gonna ride the bike over to Bonneville for the next rider, who's going to set a land speed record <laughs> nice. in the same bike. Wow. Yeah. Now, now is that gonna? Is he shooting to do the fifty cc on an electric? Because I don't know if anybody's actually done that yet. Well, I guess it would qualify. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends so, on what route they take. I, 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 I don't know. Like, if you do the what? It's San Diego to Florida, which I think is the shortest yeah. path. That's for the fifty cc. Yeah. So that would qualify. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, that's kind of interesting. I mean, did you talk to him for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's an interesting looking bike, but underneath it's just a stock uh, strike, right? Just with this crazy submarine fairing. Well, you know, um, the way you cut through the wind is everything. It can add range, it can add speed, it can add efficiency. Um, you know, the frontal profile of any vehicle, whether it's a motorcycle, whether it's a car, whether it's a truck, it really. It's it's everything, and I think by employing clever aerodynamics, I mean they've really got high hopes for this thing. Yeah, and it's cool how they do the lights. They just have a little like glass bubble, so you right. can see the lights mm. <laughs> inside there. Um, but crosswinds can can but, be yeah, the devil. But you know that. the thing oh, thing, yeah. is, thing is about Richard. You know he talks the talk, but he walks the walk as well. You know. Um, it's the 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 LS two eighteen earned its name, and so um, yeah, I've got I I think they could probably going to pull it off quite easily. Yeah, um, let's see what were some of the other highlights for you there. I think all the people that I yeah, saw. I mean you know it's just it's it's just the event. Um, I lo- any big motorcycle event we go to so many these days. Mm. Um, and at one end of the scale, you've got like a custom show, like the one show. Um, and that's fun in its own right. And then you get to a higher, higher up the evolutionary scale, as it were, to the quail, you know, the poshos. Yeah. Um, and that's its own thing. But the races, there's always something about the races that's fun. Everybody's there to have a good time. And the atmosphere is great. And the background noise is great. Um, just listening to that interview we did with the Stefanos, um, with all the bikes roaring by in the background. Oh, and the food, too. The food is amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was good food. Um, And now we get to go again next weekend. For the armor races. The armor races. What day are you going? Saturday. Uh, Uh, You're working, Doug? Yeah, I'm working. Oh, you don't look very well, though. I always look. No, that's a nasty (laughs) cough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not our, only are they doing the road no, racing, um, they have the road racing, and they also have the sidecars, which is always a spectacle. And, and 
there's other things going on too. But then they also have over the hill in the bowl. There's motocross, which and which is like vintage. It looks like uh, on any Sunday just pops okay. up out, right? And then I think <gasps> over in the dirt parking lot for the first year they're adding flat track. Ooh, nice. So all of that is all going to be happening. All the things. All in the same complex. And you don't want to go Sunday? And I'm going to be at the garage. You can go Sunday. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, and I have to be at the garage because it, it is the last weekend before Emma's Alpine <gasps> Adventure. Ooh. Which reminds me, hey, Doug. Yes. The weekend after that, can you run the garage? Yes. I just realized um, Emma's going to be gone and I'm going to be gone. Yes, I can. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I said that the first half was going to be fun. The second half, we're going to get a little, little heavy. But this is something that I think it's very important for us to visit or revisit. I think as motorcyclists, we oftentimes need to be reminded of our responsibility on two wheels, not just right. to ourselves, but to everyone else and the public. And um, that sometimes bad stuff happens. Well, the way I'm going to try and approach this, I mean, we, we have built a name for ourselves as the funsters and the pranksters, mm -hmm. and we are all of those things. But what we're presenting for the second half of the show, um, it is pretty much a worst-case scenario. Um, it's completely true, and it's completely unedited. Um, do we have Zach on audio right now? Zach, are you there? You may have to unmute, Zach. Sorry, y'all. I've got to go. You got to go? All right. Yeah, I have responsibilities. All right, so, Doug. Um, Radio. Take, Take it care, easy, Doug. Doug. All right. Uh, Zach, we need to see if you can get your audio working. Um, but I'll start saying, so uh, my cousin Zach, who was here in the room with us last weekend. Um, Has a story to tell. Well, well first, uh, on Monday after we did the podcast, uh, Jim and I took him dirt biking. Right. <laughs> I think I broke him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, you, I mean, you do have a habit of breaking people who go out visiting with you. If I could remind you of what you did to poor John in Las Vegas. Oh, I come mean, on. You completely destroyed that man. Come on. Um, what, are you, what, what are you eating, Matt? What are you eating, Matt? Cured meats. Oh, I'm not interested. You don't have any chocolate. I don't have any chocolate. I've also got fig oh, bars. I'll split chocolate. a fig bar with you. Oh, I'll have a fig bar. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, darling. Well, over. you guys are having snack time. <laughs> Snacks. It's a fruity snack. So uh, I took him uh, dirt biking, and Jim yes. was nice enough to loan his TTR 125. And uh, I was riding the Enduro, and Jim was on his Africa twin. Mm. So nice. <laughs> that's our little trio going around Hollister. We had a great time. Um, Zach has never been dirt biking, so it's all new. And since he's 19, of course, he just charged. He just charged. Can you see me now? Hey. Hey, Zach. There we go. Hey, hey Zach. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, Zach, I'm just talking about your dirt biking experience last weekend. How, how fun yeah. was it? And do you still have bruises? Um, well, the bruises on my arm are gone, but 
my ankle is still a little messed up. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lots of swelling there, but we're good. Well, walking around. um, Zach, Liza does have a history of smashing people up that go out uh, on adventures with her. So you're in very, very good company. Um, I just want to ask you, Zach, before we get into this, are you still okay sharing your story? Uh, yeah. Are you, and you're absolutely certain because it's um, it's a tough subject uh, and I want to make sure I'd, I'd be a lot happier if you were actually with us in the room, but mm-hmm. if you were sure you're okay telling it um, and you've got support at your end as well. See, the only thing I'm nervous about is like the whole thing is still like an ongoing investigation. Right. Well, we're only sharing your story. And um, if there's anything you're uncomfortable with, let me know and we'll we'll pull it out. But when I was, uh, we had this great weekend riding. And then when I was in the car with him, um, Zach told me uh, a story. I was asking a bit about like how long he's been riding. Um, and Zach, you said you just started riding in April? Yeah, like the first week of April. Yeah, first week of April. And I think we also already said last week that congratulations because you bought the right bike, especially for a new rider. And remind yeah, everyone what bike that. you're on. It's a Kawasaki Ninja 300. Great. 2013, I believe, yeah. Great bike. Um, so uh, I'll just kind of start a bit. So you and your best friend decided to get bikes like so many people do. You get a buddy and let's get some bikes. Um, your, your friend got a bike that's a little more powerful, but the, the thing here that I don't want to say it bothers me, but the thing that I think is unfortunate that I think so many people do, and I'll be honest, I did too, because when I started riding, there were no safety classes. It, no, no, it was, here's a permit, go out on the road and learn to ride. That is how the process was. And it still is today in many places. You can do that. So Zach, um, you decided you just got your permit mm-hmm. and you bought a bike. I mean, you did everything right. Um, I just wish that they required more rider training uh, or that you had somebody who got you in a riding that could take you out and teach you the ropes and the pitfalls and stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And I want to say, and I just want to say up front, you haven't done anything wrong, but there was an event that you're going to have to live with. Do you want to, um, I think just Zach, tell us, yep. yeah, just tell happened. you, just tell your story. Just and, tell the story. And you will, just well, let's leave out the name of the other people. involved. Mm-hmm, of course. Of course. Um, all right. So basically me and my friend were just going to the gas station just a quick run to grab some drinks and like some snacks. And we're headed back and we turn down onto his street and on his street, it's kind of like a horseshoe. Like there's two entrances entrances into mm-hmm. the neighborhood. And we normally take the second one. This was the first time we took that other entrance just because I don't know, like there's some gravel right there. So we didn't trust it. But so I'm following behind my buddy in my car and he's on his bike. And we basically turned down his street and I just see his taillights like disappear off the road. And that's when I just start thinking like, did he just turn the corner? I didn't see it. Like what happened And about like 
two seconds later, I just walk, I drive up onto a living hell. So basically what happened is one of my, so my friend was just driving down the street. He's got a tinted visor on. It's like nine o'clock at night. So it's pretty, like pretty, pretty dark outside, especially with that visor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, take a breath if you need to, Zach. And I think you were good. Um, basically, this guy just walks out into the street, so waving this, my this friend is down. A, a neighbor, a neighbor, not, not your yeah. friend, a neighbor. Yeah. So a neighbor walks out to like wave my friend down to like slow down, and he honestly wasn't really going that fast. It's just the bikes are loud, and it makes it seem like you're you're going pretty fast. And and I think a lot of us have experiences. There are some people who don't like bikers coming down their street. I've had the people like, yeah, get out of here or slow down. or, And so this, mm-hmm. this guy walked out into the street and was kind of flagging, flagging him down to slow mm-hmm. down, right? Yeah, and this guy had like a history of doing this before. Like many of the neighbors have complained about this, but it's just this time he, my friend struck him. He just he didn't see him. He didn't see him. And didn't have enough time to react. Well, I mean, I honestly don't even know. Since I didn't see much of it happen, I just saw his taillight go out. But, um, yeah. So I get out of my car, and his wife's there yelling at me, screaming and crying. Don't tell me, like, call 911. And basically, we call 911. The ambulances show up. They take care of my friend. My friend's also there face first on the floor along with the other guy just unresponsive and so my friend eventually gets up just starts walking around but this other guy you can just tell he's not doing good and so we basically just get the ambulances there and take him off but i mean things didn't end too well i guess yeah so um unfortunately the 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 neighbor he passed away um and what's hard, I think, for Zach, and I really appreciate you sharing this story and also just sharing it with me in that car ride, you were the one who had to call 911. You're the one who had to stand over him and and, and watch him basically dying mm-hmm. and just see all of this. I would also imagine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine anyone in that scenario, a lot of people don't know what to do. Definitely. And you're like, just- I don't know what to do. What do I do? And- Oftentimes there's other people who come up who don't help the situation, but just inflame it by screaming, crying, uh, just acting irrational. People act very strange. This is also something that um, when I was suggesting, there's a lot of different training you can get. First responder training is something that's great. And I will admit I've always wanted to do and haven't done yet. Uh, though I did buy the medic bag to carry on my bike just to be that person to jump into action because sometimes bad stuff happens. And in this case, there was, uh, I mean, we can't judge and it is ongoing investigation, but Mm -hmm. I, I would say that, there were mistakes made in all parties, and I'm not going to point the finger at well, any one person. before we go any further, um, Zach, thank you for telling the story. Um, 
Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, no, we're good. It just yeah, no, I know, I, I, I know how raw this is, but um, yeah, the, you have people close by that can um, that um, can talk with you after this, right? Well, and mm-hmm. good. Okay. And did I mention this was in their first week of riding bikes? Right. First week. So oh. this was not that long ago. And the fact that Zach is still riding, but I believe, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, that this is going to linger with you and remind you to take Definitely. it easy. Definitely. I can already tell it's affected my riding in like many, many ways. And how much more like precautious and safe. Because you really just don't know what's going to happen out there on the road. Anything can jump out. Anything right. can jump out. And, you know, one of the codes that I kind of live by, and I won't say I live by it 100%, but we go and we go on rides and sometimes we get spirited and we like to have fun, especially here up in the hills, right? So one of my codes is when you come up to driveways, slow it down. Driveways means it could be a dog. It could be a right. kid, it could be a car, it could be a person, it could be a, yeah. a ball. You don't know, right? Right, absolutely. Um, that's kind of my code. And definitely in neighborhoods, definitely d- take it easy. There's no reason to rush. Yeah. And uh, I, I have a friend who uh, was riding down the street one day, and there was a group of little kids there who had those little push scooters, one kid just decided to push his little push scooter right out in front of her and she hit it and went down and just, you know, got injured and the bike was all messed up. Y- you never know what's going to happen. You never do. And yeah. now, you know, Zach and both his friend have to have to live with this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember, and Emma, I don't know if you've heard me talk about it. Have you heard me talk about crystal before Emma? Yes. So Crystal is a young woman who I never knew, um, but was a member of like kind of the the vampires, that social circle, a lot of friends of mine. And she liked to go fast and she was on the fish hook Mm -hmm. here in town and she uh, high sided and uh, hit a, one of the signposts and ended up dying. But um, I remember her family got a message from the first person who arrived on the scene was this young woman who was a college student who had just taken the safety riding class, MSF class, Mm. wanted to become a rider. And her father sent a letter to Crystal's mom uh, sharing the story of how his daughter was impacted by being the first one on the scene and how she had to hold Crystal in her arms while she died and how scared her from riding motorcycles and now her dad was saying so thank you something has come from this that i feel better my daughter's not gonna ride it's like whoa like that was really heavy but what i saw when i moved here how many people in the community had been affected by her death and how I, i actually have a picture of her up in the garage as a reminder when we get a new rider sometimes i say let me tell you about crystal because I saw an entire community that was rocked yeah. by her loss. And, you know, yeah, as a, as a motorcyclist, you have a right to go have fun and put your own body at risk. But you have to remember 
what's at stake besides yourself, mm-hmm. especially if you get injured and not killed. Because yeah. I know people who are being taken care of, you know, and living their rest of their life in a, in a care facility, you know, it sucks to talk about this, but we need these reminders. And Zach, after you told me your story, it's hung with me. Mm-hmm. It's affected me. I think about it when I'm writing now. And I wanted something good to come from your story and hope that other people are reminded of this and that they remember what's at stake and what can happen and what our responsibility is and what you may have to face. Um, so for the listeners out there, keep this in mind. Now, Zach, I want to get back to you. You have continued writing. Mm-hmm. What's going on in your head when you ride? Are you, are you, are you feeling spooked at all? Um, well, during the daytime, I don't really, it's definitely a lot easier me riding around. Cause like, I feel like I can get a better sense of what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed like at night, I'm definitely a lot more spooked just because like, I just don't know if something's going to, jump out or run out. Like I always think of a dog or something coming out or like a kid. And it's definitely, definitely affected me a lot. Every time I write. That's good. Keep, keep that. We need these reminders. Mm -hmm. So that is a good thing to have. It is called a healthy fear. So just know the only time that becomes a bad thing is if, that turns into you becoming tense when you're riding and don't have the same control of yeah. the motorcycle. If you're riding and, and for, I, I'm going to ask for all the other people here on this. Um, and just so you know, Zach, this is a thing. Have you guys ever had a day where you're like, something doesn't feel right. I'm not going to ride today. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've had those days. Emma. All the time. Yeah. And it's, I will ride, but I will ride in such a different way because Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have the choice because riding bikes is part of what I do. If I don't feel like riding and I've got 10 bikes in that are in for repair, I can't hand the bike back to the owner without riding it. Yeah. So I have to ride, but it really affects my riding. Um, And... Very early on in my motorcycling career, um, I lost a couple of very, very dear friends. And I've been that person as a first responder at an accident, not actually on a bike, in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, if if uh, if you're with somebody when they're dying, when they're taking their final breaths, it stays with you for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems when it first happens, you're, you're just consumed with this... Um, this dread, this guilt, um, and that gets easier. Um, and I'm not well. Actually, I'm not sure that it ever gets easier. You just learn to deal with it better. Mm-hmm. You know, your body learns yeah. to cope with it, and that's it, that's what's going to happen to you, Zach. I mean, it's it's this is always going to be with you, but you'll learn to mm-hmm. deal with it as you go through your life. Yeah, y- you'll just deal with it. Um, 
a lot better than um, perhaps you're dealing with it now. Um, but you, you're going to carry it with you for your lifetime. Um, it's it, it's one of those things that happens. But you always try and, as naive as it sounds, you know, it's, it sounds like you're oversimplifying when you say, well, look, well, what good can come out of this? Um, you, you, you absolutely have to look at it the way you, that way you say mm-hmm. this man mm-hmm. died for a reason and what what was that reason um you're better off accepting it and growing from yeah. it than pushing it down right see and i've i've thought about that many times and that's like what i'm moving on to because i've definitely i don't know i just like feel like it's it's always a reminder just to ride safe right, right. So. so zach i want to ask you a question and you don't have to answer this but okay. i'm just trying to get a better uh, grasp of what's going on through your head because we might mm-hmm. be able to to help you or give you advice or comfort. But have you said to yourself, this could have been me riding the bike? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And that that's a scary um, place to go. It, it is. And, like, my dad used to be a therapist, so, like, the night that happened, he told me, like, you can never get into these what if situations right. because once you do, those will always just keep, keep eating at you. Like, right. Good. And I, it's all up to you. I know that you and your friend have asked yourselves a hundred times, a thousand times. Why didn't we take the exit? We normally take, right. why did we do this? Why did we do that? And it is, it's an mm-hmm. absolute rabbit hole, Zach. You cannot go there um, because you, you'll just, drive yourself nuts trying to trying to figure it out why did we take this this route when we always take the other one um, mm-hmm. you you absolutely can't go from that but like I say as as naive as it sounds just try and make something good come out of it and by putting it out on the show you're going to help far more people than you realize yeah, and that's what we're hoping for too. Because I mean, lately there's just so many new people with bikes, and I see it all the time. Just like more and more friends of mine getting bikes, and I don't think people realize like right. how big of a danger they are. Well, and it also goes back to how many people just decide I'm going to buy a bike, right, and start riding, because mm-hmm. the way the system is set up in many states, I, I'm not sure in California. I think if you're what under. Is 18 or 21 you have to take the Under class? 21, you have to take um, some degree of training. Right. But um, where he lives, he doesn't have to. So right. that's something that maybe needs to change. Um, I suggested to Zach to take classes, to take a standard rider safety class, to take a dirt class, to take a track day. All these things give you tools. Oh, and let me add first responder class to that, right? Right. They all mm-hmm. yeah. give you tools and that if you get into a situation, maybe it's a car runs out in front of you or a child, something down the road that happens, and now you have more tools to dodge safely. Absolutely. It's it's a function of responsibility. Yeah. Uh, I, everybody, I feel, is responsible to teach themselves how to use these machines effectively and safely uh, it's the, it's all the difference in the world of of knowing what you're doing and knowing what the machine's capable of and 
not knowing what you're doing and then the creating those riskier danger more dangerous situations mm-hmm. if you if you ignore your own responsibility not just to yourself but to everybody else around you um look at a group ride where there's wildly different experience levels among mm-hmm. people and some of those people are the people that i just got a motorcycle today and now i'm in the middle of 200 other motorcyclists uh, and those group rides, if people are not being responsible, they can get hairy, just as hairy as one or two people going out um, on a short ride. Anything can happen. And and the individual, it's up to the individual to take that responsibility on themselves to create situations where they have the tools, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. to find solutions to the problems that they're going to encounter. Because those problems are going to pop up all the time. Um, as long as you, as an individual can exert whatever control on your actions you can create. You can help mitigate the risks that you're going to find. Uh, but it does boil down to individual responsibility. And and airing an instance like this on a, on a broader scale like we're doing here gets those little seeds into people's heads about, oh, what am I missing? What am I doing or not doing that I can do to make myself a more responsible rider? Yeah. So, yeah, Zach, um, this is Matt. I've, I've been listening to podcasts for a while. Uh, and kind of participating, but I, I want to say thank you very much for sharing this because, yeah, you are making a difference. Uh, there are people out guys. there that are going to. You're welcome. There are people that are going to hear this and they'll be like, you know what, that has to make me think. And that is that is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to point out, and this is something I learned back in like 1986, uh, the day I. Uh, I borrowed a friend's bike and I went riding over the Bay Bridge into San Francisco, spent the day there, stayed later than I expected and found that I had to ride home at night with a tinted visor for the first and last time. Been there. And I got rid of the tinted visor and said, I'm never doing that again. I'll wear sunglasses or now I just, all my helmets have the flip down shades. I will never do that. Um, So, that is something that I hope people also think about because you get people say, Oh no, I just carry the extra visor and I'll just swap it out. Like it doesn't happen. It doesn't really yeah, happen. You forget it. You leave it at home. You don't think you're going to be out that late and then you're stuck. The other thing too is, uh, and I think some people wear tinted visors just because they look cool during the day because you can't see their face. So toss that out is, is my opinion. Um, I think that's the only thing that really could have, you know, helped the situation. But we don't, we don't know. We don't know. But that is something that uh, other people now, as we, you know, like we said, let's let's go forward and share the story, and other people can say, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't wear my tinted visor. It's a reminder. Um, mm-hmm. Emma, I want to know for Zach, who's now, like we said, he's going to live with this. But what are some things do you think he can do to? not just become a better writer, but also um, process this and, and, and live with this? Well, um, you know, there's value in um, a burden shared is a, is a burden halved. Mm-hmm. And reach out to your, your support group. Um, that may mean your dad. Um, <coughs> that may mean um, your mom. It may mean your friend um and i i know your friend's struggling i mean we we shared a little bit more of the story me and uh liza 
than we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually helping your friend cope is good therapy for you as well because you both went through this and as much Definitely, as he's yeah. struggling um, and you are as well, help one another to the best of your ability. And, <laughs> you know, there's still, there's still this stigma in this country. Um, and before I, uh, people say, are oh, you being down on America, uh, Emma? It, it, it applies to England. It applies to any Australia, any European country. There's this stigma about mental health. And I've, uh, you know, I've been through some mental health issues in, in the past in my life. There's this stigma to it. I mean, you get sick and you go to hospital. Oh, dear, you know, people coming around with flowers and lots of sympathy. Um, and you have mental health problems. Oh, God, you know, people will try and keep away from you. Um, and there are so many resources available if you're struggling. Just reach out and do not be shy about it. I mean, you mm-hmm. you and your friend are carrying this massive burden um, reach out, reach out and find out what resources are available. Um, I know what state you're in, um, as you know, I know what state of the union you're in. Um, and I know what resources are available to you yeah. in that state. And it's, it's remarkably good. So just use every tool you're able to, to get yourself through this. And, like I say, time is a healer. It doesn't seem like mm-hmm. it will be, but you, you are, every day that goes by, you are learning how to deal with this, um, and your friend is learning how to deal with this as much as he's struggling with it, um, and just you know try and hold up one another. There's no real instruction book for this. That's this is the problem. Yeah. Um, so uh, some things that I suggested to him is. Get your yayas out on the dirt, right? Mm-hmm. You, get, you got a, you got a lot of dirt where you live. Um, yeah, a lot of good dirt too. And you've already learned it can hurt too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. But you got back up and kept riding each time. Yeah, the price, five times. <laughs> one of them was pretty epic. Oh, I I'm uh, let him ride my six ninety enduro on the uh, the TT track there. Just say it ended very well. <laughs> Let me tell you that Jim and I were watching. We're like, oh, this is going to be fun. And he takes off <laughs> quite reasonably on this uh, little track. And then he, he's going into a turn that has a berm on it. And he's taking the outside of the turn on the edge of the berm. And then we saw him go <laughs> up the berm. He's like, wasn't turning quite hard enough. So now he's riding on the edge of the berm. We're like, oh, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Is he going to be able to get it back down in? We well, dropped it down in, and then the bike went sideways, and then it went up and down and up and over and oh, <laughs> around yeah, the berm. We come flying off the bike. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite epic, and, and Jim and I were laughing our asses off. It's like, should we go help? No, let him deal with it. <laughs> you, uh, you learn your lesson times. if you got to push – push the bike back but uh no you did good and you had a lot of fun and that's something a lot of fun something i say you have to like have a code of, of when you can do this um because we do this sometimes we we go out and we just go like yeah let's, oh, i want to just yeah get my yayas out uh but we have roads we can do it on where we're not putting anyone else at risk you know if there's presence of cars parked or not don't do it Right. Those are a danger 
to to us. I remember um, years ago, I don't know if you remember this story, Emma, there was um, a stunt rider in San Francisco who had like uh, YouTube videos. He also was deaf and he was doing a wheelie up on like highway one, like up near the beaches and lost control. It came down and lost control and he ran into the back of a parked car, put his hands out, broke both of his hands. Oh shit. He's deaf. Now he can't talk. Now he can't talk. So they didn't know what was wrong with him and he couldn't communicate. And he kind of shared this experience of like, they thought he had a head injury. Like they had no idea he couldn't write, he couldn't sign, he couldn't do anything, and it was a really terrible experience for him to go right, through. Right, of course. Because oh, they're just trying to, like, he can only Assess. use his eyes to communicate, you know? Um, so, and I just think, well, what are you doing, wheelies? You're parked cars. So, Zach, develop a code. I don't want to say you have to ride responsibly 100% of the time, because that's not always realistic. But... <laughs> You have to know the risks you put yourself and others at. And by others, I mean also your family and friends. Mm-hmm. Because y- yeah, you just have to remember what your decisions and the impact they will have on everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's, that said, most of us ride for mental health. It's in us, and I think it's in you because you've continued to ride. You didn't get spooked. You mm-hmm. didn't stop. The other uh, advice I had, I suggested he might be able to find a club to join. I think some experienced riders as mentors would be great. Uh, getting into you know a club could could be could be good. Yeah, I mean, I've looked into it a little. It's just there's a lot of clubs out there, so yeah, yeah. Pick, pick your club wisely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and watch out for those scooterists. They do crazy naked stuff. Yeah, those oh, Vespa Alice. riders. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of bagel. fun to be found there. <laughs> I do love the Vespas. Nice. So, Zach, again, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, thank, thanks, mm-hmm. Zach. Yeah, of I, course. Thank you very much. Um, I know it was difficult for you. I, I very, very much appreciate it. Um, I love meeting you last weekend. Um, and I'm you glad too, you, Emma. Yeah, I'm glad you had a great time on the dirt bike. Um, you're very, very welcome here anytime you want, Zach. You know appreciate that. Appreciate it, guys. And um, yeah, take it easy, buddy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he went home with care. some gear from our gear room. Nice. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that, guys. Yeah, cool. so thank you. Well, Zach, thanks for calling in. And you know you can reach out to me anytime also. I'm always here for helpful advice. And, uh, of course, thank you. Appreciate and, and it. And good pranks. <laughs> <laughs> the best pranks. Awesome. Yes. All right. Thanks for joining us, Zach. Yep. You guys have a great night. Thank All you right. for having me. All right, thank bye. you, too. Right. Bye bye. Bye so, bye. So, you guys weren't expecting that on wow, our podcast, were that, you? That was a reality wow. check, big time. Yeah. That's exactly it. And when I was saying that after he, he told me that story and I realized it stuck with me. I was like, I think other people can benefit from hearing if he's ready to tell. So I, I yeah. went through his his parents and said, well, could could you find out if he'd be willing and are you okay with him and is he okay? And right, right, right. Zach, like I said, I feel good about this kid. Right, he made a yeah. good decision. He got a good, very good, appropriate bike. Yeah, he didn't. He did 
get a permit and go through all the things that the law requires. So he's yeah. not some some scoff law. Um, he, you know, he's he's got his family, right, and a father who he feels comfortable going to. So he's got a good support system. I feel okay about this kid. I think he's going to be okay, but he is going to have to carry this with him. And and I don't know if I mean Emma. You said you've been on on a scene of an accident. I too, right, have arrived uh, in car crashes and have jumped in and held people's heads while they were unconscious or bleeding right. until the fire department came. Um, have you ever had an experience like that, Matt? I've been the scene of an accident <laughs> several <laughs> times. Um, yeah. And yeah, those are uh, one more conscious than another. But um, yeah, that 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 kind of trauma of like what's going on, there's confusion, there's anger, there's, there's fear, there's all kinds of crazy strong emotions that are all coming oh, up yeah. together. And they, it takes a long time to sort that stuff out and get yourself right with all those things. Um, and I think uh, in that regard from, I've never been at the scene of an accident mm-hmm. like that. Uh, there's one kind of minor one with uh, somebody on a bicycle got left hooked by a car mm. and they Ooh. went, uh, they tumbled head over, head over heels over the side of the car Luckily for me, one of my roommates was a, a first responder, an EMT, uh, on his way to becoming a, a really good doctor. Uh, so I, we got him right away to come down and check this girl out. This girl was in shock, didn't seem to be injured r- badly other than like some scrapes and bumps, but she was insistent that she had to get to class. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, you are not going to class. Don't worry about it. Uh, this is my friend. He is a doctor or an EMT. He's going to check you out. Okay, stay here. We're going to call an ambulance. Don't worry about class. And you could tell because you know, she was concerned about something that was the least of concern at that point. And right. so that was the type of thing that's like, you gotta, you have to step in and help people out in that regard. I, I've stood over Emma twice there in the go. same day. Yeah, you have. Yeah, mm. calling, calling 911. Um, yeah. First, yeah, re- you, first you, you were on that run, weren't you, Bagel? No, no, I was no. not there. When I was actually, when I was lying unconscious time. in the middle of Highway no, Twenty Five. No. Oh God! No, I missed that. And just I, this doesn't apply in in Zach's case uh, specifically, but I do just want to cover this again. If you are like first one to arrive on a scene, um, first of all, I do recommend getting uh, some first responder training. Yes. Again, I bought the kit. I signed up for a class. I got canceled. I've never signed up again. I need to do that. Sign up. I know. Um, I, uh, the first thing that I do is secure the scene. I don't always go running up to the injured parties. I first assess the scene. And in Emma's case, when she had gotten, uh, rear ended and was lying on the ground, I, First, got people to get their bikes out of the road, assessed that there were cur- there was a curve at one end, and sent people down the road in both directions to flag any oncoming cars down. Secure had the I, scene. Had I been squashed by a large truck, it would have made it worse. Been, it yeah. would have made it considerably worse. So I yeah. thank you for that, darling. Yeah. First um, thing right. is uh, assess secure, secure the, the scene. scene. Secure the scene. Right. Um, Right. Yes. And because then the flow of traffic doesn't doesn't necessarily know what happened, and it won't stop unless there's somebody who can like right. warn them. I've I've been in that situation before. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, got everyone get their bikes out of the way because people tend to just stop and stare. They don't know what exactly. to do. And yeah. then I assigned the person who had the most medical experience, who also happened to be the person who hit you, yeah, but to check on you because they were the best person to assess you. Right. It wasn't me. So I yeah. have done that in uh, times when I'm that person who, if there's like somebody injured or something happened. I'll kind of like, let me assess the scene. If I see that there are people more qualified than I, I then leave the scene. Or in some cases I say, ask them, do you need anything? Can I help? If the answer is no, I leave the scene. There is no yeah. need for me to stand around. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember when I, uh, one of the crashes I did in Pakistan, yes. that was uh, in the Abbottabad traffic, as Bagel knows. Mm. And, uh, I think both Moyne and I slid out on like diesel, right? And yeah. I'm sliding and I get up and all the other riders have just stopped and are staring at me. <laughs> I'm like, is somebody going to run obstacle. over and help me pick my bike up and get out of traffic? They all froze because they were just in shock of what they just witnessed and they just the, stared the, at me. The mighty Liza in a heap in the road. And Moyne. <laughs> yeah. And Moyne. Yeah. Uh, so I had to run over and pick my bike up, which was a uh, face. It was a uh, handlebars on a slightly downhill side. Mm. And I didn't realize that my center stand had dropped down. Oh. Oh. And so I'm trying to, well, it was just, it wasn't, center, it was like, yeah. So I'm trying to pick the bike up onto a center stand going uphill mm. and nobody is coming to help me. Oh, I say that's and a I'm bit just like, rotten, what is it? going on? And then I just realized like nobody's coming to help me, and I need to get out of this situation of being in the street, right, in a curve. And I just yeah, and then they're staring like, oh my god, she just lifted a bike up. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like I lifted it over my head because I was underneath. I just now it's a little 150 cc bike, so it's not a huge bike. But they were just like, oh my god. <laughs> And I, Liza's hulking out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, securing well, you, what you mentioned before about securing the scene—that's yeah. the—that's a great way of mitigating the bystander effect, where everybody just kind of stands around, gawks, yeah. doesn't know what to do. You start. Yeah. Someone's in charge. Someone is dictating to other people what they need to do, and then getting out of there so that the people who know what they're doing can do their jobs. That's that's exactly what somebody needs to be doing. So there is an exception to the rule, and because I once got yelled at. When uh, Cat, a lovely cat, yes. crashed up on Westcliff. Yes. And right. we got the call. I've crashed. Yeah. Come help. And so we all go running down there. And we've we've already put straps into a truck and a ramp. And we're like, <clears throat> and we got people taking clothes because it was during a naked ride. Right. Like, we're all run down there. Mm. Adrian runs to Cat. We got people pulling straps out of a truck. The bike is laying in the road. I go pick the bike up and roll it into a nearby parking spot where I then got yelled at by the cop who was securing the scene, who wanted everything to stay where it was while he investigated. And he's like, I don't know who you are. You could be stealing it. Like, get away. You're not part of this. Get out of here. And I was just like, I'm just sorry. I'm just trying to get the bike out of the road. I'm just, you know, this is right. what we do. We help each mm -hmm. other. This is what we do. So right. if there are already cops or first responders you need to check with them because they get very mad at you <laughs> when you're securing right. their scene. Um, yeah, well. and then and then yeah, assessing uh, people. One thing I do, like when I've had people crash 
in um, in Pakistan, I swap bikes with them. Because one thing I've learned, when people say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, they might be getting on a bike that has a broken lever, mm-hmm. or impaired brakes. Their yeah. adrenaline is going. They're not in the mindset to now assess a bike that they are riding down the road. Yeah, sticky throttle. Right. So I yeah. always say, get on my bike, because I know it's operating properly, and go ahead on down the road to where we're all going to stop and get safe. But, but and then I can assess their bike. What happens if you just yep. crashed beforehand? Well, I know. Yours I, is in worse condition I than am theirs. In, no, I don't just start riding. I do assess <laughs> yeah, the bike. Yeah. They're just not in the mindset yeah. um, to do that. So sometimes if right. somebody says, if they have a small get-up, I'm fine, I'm fine. They may not be in the mindset to properly check their bike, inspect their bike. No, and they need to be able to. They need to be able to scare the gremlin off that caused that as well. So, um, and then also just give people the option if they don't want to ride out, that you can get a ride or some. Um, what do you guys have to add to that? Um, something. I mean, it's 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 really. It's a tough thing to think about and to talk about, but when, for a lot of us who have found ourselves single for the majority of our lives, like you, Liza, and like to a certain extent like me, we tend to forget that if we're involved in an accident where perhaps we get injured or worse how much it will affect those around us. And I think if we all, if, if we all take a little bit of a breath and consider that, um, it might make us all a little bit safer riders. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. You know, can Mm -hmm. consider a scenario where bagel's not there anymore. And it's not that he's not just missing this week. That's it. We're not going to see bagel anymore. I mean, it's not something I'd even really want to think about. Um, yeah. and I don't want to think about that. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but we do need to think about it. And this is the point of why we're talking right. about it. Mm-hmm. People right. don't want to talk about it. And I think we need to talk about it. We need to think about it. We need to acknowledge it to remind us. Right. Yeah. That our, our miserable, wretched, selfish little lives affect more people than you could possibly imagine. And you can, that can be a burden, but it can also be a blessing. I I think telling Zach's story as awful as it is, and really scenarios don't get any worse than that. Well, and we still don't know. It's still an ongoing investigation. No, it's still an ongoing investigation. I mean, it could, it could end up in prison for his friend. I mean, it, it could, um, it could get considerably worse. But, I mean, let's be honest with you. If within the first week of riding a motorcycle somebody died, that is pretty much as bad as it's going to get. And that's why I wanted to be clear. They did do all the things required right. by the law. These weren't just foolish kids. Right. But but the point is thus, it's a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly believe... Um, that by telling his side of the story, yeah. Zach's not only helped himself, he's he's helped 
more people than we could realize. He's, he's oh, helped. Yeah. He's helped yeah. me. I yeah. needed that. Right. I needed that reminder. So, thank you, Zach. So, on that note, Bagel, how was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> my my weekend was uh, very very uh, relaxing, <laughs> and uh, you were hanging out with hippies with your willy hanging out, probably all covered in well, mud, weren't you? Well, not my willy, but other willies were hanging oh, out and other body parts all over the place. But yeah, oh, but yeah there was uh, a big hippie festival here in town, and uh, I checked it out for the first time this weekend, and it was uh, it, it was it made quite an impression. It sounded like it a eyeful. It's it's a whole like village. It's amazing, right? And so uh, so all the, all these hippie types, all mm-hmm. these freewheeling beatniks, as it yes. were, have descended <laughs> on. The sleepy little town of Venita, and freaks of all sorts. I would I would add, uh, it's it is quite the mix of weirdness, and and I love to see it. Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to share just one more short story from uh, the racetrack. Stories from the track. Yes, by by Liza. Are yeah. you sitting comfortably, children? Yes. We need like then a little guitar begin to, <laughs> to play. <laughs> Stories from the track. So there was a vendor in the vendor area. Yes. Um, that I recognized. I saw them at Americade as well. And it's hard to miss. Oh, yes. Because they are a big, big trailer and a stage and a guy on a microphone and a, and a, cash grab booth, you know, with the money swirling away. You can get in there and grab as much cash as you can. And a bunch of, I'm just going to say, fake umbrella girls. Well, you know, there there were girls who really should be wearing more clothing. Scantily clad with a lot of makeup and extensions. That's a very old school uh, Uh, show. Oh, no. I mean, it was absolutely, it was um, almost vaudeville. It was almost like a vaudeville barker. Can I guess at what the, who the vendor was? Sure. Was it Sham Wow? It wasn't. Okay, sorry. Could have been, though. <laughs> so, and here's the thing. I wonder what Vince is doing now. <laughs> Probably in jail. Drugs. <laughs> I love you, Vince. I'm just kidding. So, here's the thing, and I was mentioning it to Emma. I'm like, you know, I saw them at America. They got a lot right. of attention, but I just walk on by because I'm kind of turned off by the whole fake umbrella girl thing and the money grab and i was like i don't even know what they're selling i have no idea what that company does it's not out front it's it's hey pretty girls and cash come on up and then we'll hawk our wares bagel you want to take a guess what it was i'll even give you the name it was called rumble on Hmm. you want to guess what they're selling earplugs that's a good guess. Emma, do you even know what they're selling? Well, they don't really sell anything. I mean, they no. are... No, they actually do. Do they, do they have a product? Well, so I said, you know, I just, I want to go back and find out. Is it a seat massage? No. Like rumble on your butt? I know. The, the best way I can put it, it's kind of like the motorcycle equivalent of Carvana. So I went and talked to him. I'm like, I want to know what you guys do. And I said, I, I'm ignoring the girls and the cash grab. I'm, I'm, I went up to one of the guys. I'm like, what do you do? I don't know what you do. And so he, he explained in detail. 
and I was actually kind of impressed. In fact, hmm. I want to have him on a future episode. Uh, I'm going to bring him on. So that's why I just wanted to like mention real quickly for people who um, buy and sell motorcycles on Facebook or Craigslist or eBay, a lot of people don't like to do that anymore. There's a lot of scammers, which we've featured. Oh, yeah. Um, there's just a lot of people who just are trying to take advantage or lowball you or just a, a plain flakes. annoying flakes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have created another method s- method where they buy motorcycles and they sell motorcycles. And you can go to the Rumble On site, rumbleon.com, I believe. Mm-hmm. We'll get into more detail, but basically, if you have a motorcycle you want to sell, you just go onto their site and put in all the information in the VIN and they'll get the value of it, like blue book value, and they'll make an offer online. And then if you accept it, you drop it off at one of their uh, associate dealerships. But then you can also look for bikes for sale. They, They own these bikes, some of which go off to auction, but some they own and they have those around the country at different, uh, Sometimes associate dealerships, sometimes their own right. uh, warehouses and shops. Will they taxi bikes from region to region? If like, oh, I want that bike, but it's will. in will. So you can Texas. go on and find one in Texas, and you'll get quoted a price. But you can also then say, so I want this bike in Texas, and I have this bike I want to sell. What will you give me for this? And they'll, they'll, you, can, you can even haggle. You can even say, well, I found one at a local dealership for this much. So basically they've made it so you're dealing with a business instead of individuals buying and selling used bikes. Uh, Funnily enough, this whole thing about Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist is a very, very real thing. One of the things I do down at Mototown, which is very, very popular, is I will host Mm -hmm. buyers and sellers. Yeah. And... Occasionally, I'll get paid. Usually, I just do it as a service, either for an established client who's the buyer and an mm-hmm. established client who's the seller. And uh, they say, well, you know, I'm selling my bike on Facebook Marketplace. Say, so, well, host the buyer down at the shop, and then you and the buyer and me and the bike right. can all be at Mototown. It's a very controlled environment. There'll be no shenanigans and no... That's another. That's another great system. Yeah, that's right. fantastic. Um, and it's 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 a safe environment. But my God, there's some nut jobs out there. Yeah. So um, I haven't really checked it out too much, but I, I'm just throwing it it's out. Great there cause, idea. Because what I told him, I says, "Look, I love what you're telling me. You do. I love it. Why isn't that out front? Why are you using booty short girls and cash grabs to get people in?" So uh, we're going to dig deeper into because this. this is America. In America. Uh, we're going to get deeper into it, but I thought, oh, this is great if there yes. is, and they're not new. They've been doing this right, for, right, right. I think, nine years, you said? Yes. Building up. They started online, and they've built up now to having bikes around the country. Anyway, uh, Rumble On, check it out. And if you've used it, I would love to know. Please email us at RecycleMotorcycleGarage.com at gmail.com or motorcycles and misfits at gmail.com. Um, and if you are one of the uh, Rumble On fake umbrella girls, you're very, very welcome to call into the show and um, tell us what you, you do. You want some tips of how to deal with the runs in the stockings? Yes. Yes. 
Um, because when I've been eating Indian food, I get the runs in my stocking. But I'll be honest, wah, I, wah, wah. I again, I kind of dismiss it like, ugh. The, well, those, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, but, but it's, it's, but it's, it's, vaude- it's vaudeville, it's carnival. I mean, you could approach, I kind of had a look at it and it was very tongue in cheek. And I think any company that doesn't take itself too seriously, perhaps we should applaud that. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm just saying this is something out there. But I want to see if people have, have, have used it. Um, we're going to be wrapping up. Bagel, you don't get an email today. But uh, Emma has one. Get that ready. And I have one. Um, catching up on this one. I don't know if you guys know, but um, yes. not too long ago, I was on the Creative Writing Podcast. Oh, very good. Yeah. We like those guys. Yeah, Junkie Turdman, our good friend. Junkie Turdman. Um, and because, uh, <laughs> and I realized, you know, uh, I don't go, I don't go too deep into talking about fasteners, but I am a fastener specialist. For, it's a fascinating for a subject. You know, uh, and <laughs> Junkie wanted to do a whole, you know, a whole big topic on fasteners, so he called me as a specialist, and we got into details. So if you want to really deep dive into details on fasteners but this email is actually from our friend cameron who said hey liza i heard you on the creative writing podcast the other week honestly as i heard him begin to explain his dilemma about the bolt screw and differences i thought to myself i wonder if liza would be able to help answer this then junkie introduced you as a special guest (laughs) funny how that works says thanks for clearing that up I have often wondered why some manuals and diagrams refer to small bolts as screws. Now I know uh, quarter-inch and smaller bolts may be referred to as screws. In general, I find that quarter-inch and bigger are bolts and then smaller machine screws. But they really are all the same thing. Um, uh, He says... uh, Let's see. Another that was, uh, that was one of Shakespeare's finest works, you know, <laughs> from his engineering days. The ta- uh, the taming of the screw. And I had mentioned how I used to use. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bagel. I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> I'd mentioned how I used to use Bike Bandit schematics a lot. Schematics, cross reference stuff. Surely we you mean a that. technical diagram. And he said that there's another site that has good schematics. Which is called Ronnie's MailOrder.com. Yes. Is this where you also get brides? Yes. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> actually, there's a few. I mean, Bike Bandit's got great schematics. Um, Mr. Cycle has got um, great schematics as well. Very easy to use website. Um, I think Midwest Yamaha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these use. Back in the old days, we had these things called microfishes. Yeah. And a microfish would look like a TV screen. You had a sliding tray underneath. And you, you'd have a filing system. Yeah. And then there'd be, there'd be the bike. Honda CB550K3. And you'd put this thing underneath. And there'd be these great exploded pictures. It's like pictures doing like a slideshow. It was doing like a slideshow. Yeah. And the best schematics, as you Americans insist mm-hmm. on calling them, are derived from those um, pictures that were on the... Uh, well... The the thing I really miss that Microfish. Bike, that Bike Bandit used to do, but they disabled, was when you were looking for a part that maybe you couldn't find. Maybe you're looking for a gas cap, a replacement gas cap for a Honda Shadow, right? No. 
and you can't find one on eBay. Well, you could go and look up the gas cap for the Honda Shadow and it'd give you a part number. Then you can put that part number into the search and it would give you a list of all the bikes of the Magna and the Nighthawk and all the things that use the same gas cap. Mm -hmm. Now you can go on eBay and search under each of those and you might find a Magna gas cap, whereas you couldn't find on, you know. Yes. So they, they disabled that feature. And nobody has it that I know of, but that was a great way to cross-reference parts. So anyway. Um, Who has the most parts, the Japanese parts? I shall tell you. C-S-M-N-L. C-S-M-N-L. Consolidated something. Kusumanol. Kusumanol. Yeah. Yeah, oh, see, that's who it is. <laughs> CSMNL, um, the based in Holland. Again, mm, wonderful schematics. Um, original part numbers, their part numbers, all the prices are in euros. Remarkably cheap shipping. Oh, I They've lo- got everything. I love that song they did, uh, Four Dead in Ohio. Is oh, that yes. Them? Yes, that's no, right. Uh, yeah. That CSM and L and Young. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, he, you're. We were both, uh, Junk and I were having a brain fart. And I'm like, um, also, you should use, oh, what's the thing? It's the opposite of Loctite. I couldn't remember the name. And so Cameron <laughs> said, it's anti-seize, you idiots. <laughs> we just couldn't remember anti-seize. Well, anti-seize we- is something that is not used as often as it should be. Uh, well, sorry, you, you, don't e- you don't even have proper anti-seize here in America. Oh, okay. We you have an elderly ever. cat that we have to give anti-seize to right. on occasion. <laughs> no, the, the, the anti-seize you have here in America is very feeble, and it is made up of aluminium flakes in yeah. Greece, and it just gets everywhere. Mm. And we don't have that. We don't have that ah. in England. We have, we have the proper stuff called copper slip, and copper slip is microscopic copper flakes in bentone and you smear this schmeg all over your bolts and then the bentone dissipates and just leaves the copper flakes. Oh, it's brilliant. But the anti-seize hmm. works very good if you want to spread it all over your face and hands and go stand out on a busy corner and be a human statue. Yes. And you can get tips. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, your so he says, uh, me being Canadian and you being a hardware specialist, I kind of wanted to ask you what you know about the Robertson head screw. Have you ever experienced them? They are all the rage here, far superior to the Phillips head, although I do think that Jap bikes would sure look different if they had little square holes in each screw head instead of that attractive four-point star. Uh, my wife and my daughter are both getting their motorcycle licenses. They're going to take the course together this summer. That's awesome. Uh, here's a couple pictures of their bikes. My wife bought a 250 Rebel. Oh, yeah. Great. I just finished putting together my old CM185 Twin Star for my daughter to ride. Oh, that's a great bike. I know. He says he blacked out the wheels, put a CB350 seat on it and some lower handlebars to give it a bit of a cafe look. That's pretty cool. Uh, Kept the mirrors and the signal lights, uh, though, because it is intended to be a beginner's learner bike for my precious child, and I don't want her to get run over. Anyway... Thought you might like to hear that me and the family are both benefiting from and helping the women riders movement, and we appreciate all that you've done for the movement, Liza. Well, thank you. Uh, going back to the Robertson head screws. Yeah, the I, square hole. Square hole, you see. I have not heard of Robertson head. Oh, it's just a square? It's a square hole. Oh, just a square. Okay. Robertson head, as I mentioned in uh, the Creative Writing Podcast, head is referring to the head shape. Is it a Robertson drive? Mm-hmm. 
See, this is something that most people get confused between heads and drives. Right. right. Phillips is a drive. Yes. But but you no. can have a button head Phillips. Buttonhead Phillips. I, I think it was a, a no. I think Phillips. I think it was a it was a, a slip of the tongue. I think it's the Robertson drive. But basically, it's just square. It's square. But it's a common thing. And the other thing I mentioned on uh, on his podcast is one of my biggest pet peeves is when people refer to flathead screws. Mm. Emma, define a flathead screw. A flathead screw. It it takes a blade screwdriver. You know, it takes a flat screwdriver to unscrew it. That is incorrect. Okay. That is a a slotted screw. Okay. It takes a flat blade screwdriver. Oh, I a see. A flat head yes. is not a screwdriver, and a flat head, so it's a flat blade screwdriver. Yes. And a flat head is like a typical wood screw. That has a flat head oh, 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 that with countersinks with underneath. underneath. Yeah, People with constantly edge. refer to, they'll say, I need a flathead. Do you need a flat-headed screw or do you need a slotted screw? Now, if you need a slotted screw, what kind of head do you want? Do you need a round? Do you need a flat? Right? Do you need a hex? Yeah. They all come slotted. So this is something that drives me nuts all the time. The, the, the common terminology <laughs> is incorrect. <laughs> so there you go. Righty O then flat uh, uh, flat blade fly, and slotted screws. Fl- flotted is clotted. Say it with me. It's clotted screws in it. Aye. There you go. I'm just imagining Liza having a job at a hardware store and people are coming in asking for things and she's getting increasingly frustrated and just throwing I, boxes of screws all over the wall. Oh, the let place. me tell you something. I, I need a fat head screwdriver. <laughs> I don't get frustrated. They get frustrated with me because I keep Asking them to clarify when somebody says, I want a self-drilling screw. Emma, define a self-drilling screw. It's a common thing that is asked for. What is a self-drilling screw to you? Self-tapping screw, I think. Well, no. I think a self-drilling screw, as far as I'm aware, has um, particular flutes on the, the, the thread that yeah. actually help it. It's It's a peculiar thing. It's like... A normal um, uh, yes. uh, self-tapping Next. screw, but it's almost got like a little spade that sticks so, out the end. You, so you're correct. So self-drilling does have a, a drilling tip. Yes. But people mm. also often refer to them as self-tapping screws. They want a self-tapping. Mm. And then I say, well, every screw is self-tapping. But- do you mean a self-drilling? Right. Or do you mean a thread cutting? Or do you mean a self-piercing? Ah, now it's thread cutting. You see, I know a completely different as well. Right. That's actually got a thread on it with a groove. It's, it's a machine like, it, It's a machine groove. It's a right. cross between a tap and a screw. And I also know that the the um, the the threads on a self-tapping screw are different for sheet metal, for mm-hmm. wood, for yeah. aluminium. Well, actually, the threads are the same for but sheet metal or wood. It's the shank is either in a sheet metal screw, it is a straight shank, and in a wood screw is a tapered oh, shank. Oh, so it just... But I the see. threads yeah. are the same. So anyway, um, people come in and all the time, yeah, I'd like, I need a self-tapping screw. All right, do you need a self-drilling? Do you need a thread cutting? Do you need a self-piercing? 
what are you going into? You know, and then they're just like, well, no, I just want a self-tapper. Just show me where they are. I need you to answer my question. <laughs> I can't show <laughs> you until you tell me. And uh, a lot of people get frustrated. Anyway, there you go. Uh, Emma, you have a lovely email. I do indeed. That I gave you specially to read. because I I It's a particularly it. delightful picture. Um, and this is from Chris who is in Essex in England. Hi, Chris. Can you do that oh. accent, please, Emma? Yes, sounds not dissimilar to mine. No, he's, <laughs> he's from Essex, isn't it? Eh? There it is. All right, Miss Fitz. Hey. Hey, Miss Fitz, I'm just catching up on some old episodes that I missed, and away emails from episode 436 piqued my interest, <laughs> it did. The guy was looking at buying a BSA A10 Gold Flash as his first British bike, Emma was rather opposed to the idea and pointed him in a direction of another simpler BSA and made it quite clear that the A10 was not a good choice as a first step into the British bike world. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> well, my father-in-law suffers from a disability in an A and is unable to walk, but he still has some spare cash and wanted a nice old British bike as a bit of an investment and to sit in his man cave. He asked me to go out and look for something <laughs> around £5,000 and swiftly found himself owning a very clean 1956 BSA old 10 Gold Flash. It's not matching numbers, mind you. It turned out it's a 650 A10 in engine in a B31 frame. 41? B31, I'm what? telling you. You're, you're a caution, ain't you? Hence why it was such a good price. But he's still a nice looking and riding bike. And he isn't able to ride it. He's asked me to maintain it and ride it now and then to keep it in good shape, eh? I only have experience in light maintenance and servicing of Japanese bikes. I currently own a 1999 Yamaha XJ600N. So far. I've replaced the fork seals and a few other small jobs on it, including replacing the primary chain case gasket twice. Yes, it still leaks. It seems to vibrate a lot in second gear and slips out of gear sometimes, but I put this down to a bit being 66 years old and my inexperience of the gear shift being on the wrong side and upside down compared to a modern bike. Mm. I am curious to know why Emma was so against the Gold Flash as a first British bike. And what should I look out for? I will be doing all the servicing and maintenance myself. I'm confident in my ability and have an Ames manual and the internet as backup. Plus, it's not being used every day, so I can take my time. If there's any big jobs that need doing. Also, parts availability doesn't seem to be a problem. I've included a picture of the bike with my two future bikers in making, keeping the seat warm. Keep it rubber side up and keep safe. Chris from Essex in England. Hey, <laughs> Directed Hi. by Guy Ritchie. What do you think? <laughs> so what did you think of that? Lovely. No, fucking <laughs> brilliant. What are you? Fucking brilliant. Yeah, you fucking tosser. Anyway, no, this is a lovely bike, and he's included, oh. I'm presuming... Um, these are uh, Chris's children, two adorable-looking little children um, <laughs> sitting on it. Um, 
a delightful red-headed child with Joe 90 glasses. They're and all a, delightful, the redheads. And, and a baby. <laughs> um, and it's a great-looking bike. But I tell you what, Chris, now listen here. You have, in your in your letter, really explained to me why... Um, the A10 is a lovely bike, and I want to make it absolutely clear. I have nothing against A10s at all. They are absolutely delightful bikes. And the A7, which was the 500cc equivalent, um, in a lot of ways was actually a sweeter bike. But as a first British bike, um, there are simpler bikes out there. And, I mean, if we look at what you've done, which is replace the primary gasket twice and yet it is still leaking um popping out of gear um vibrating a lot all the things that british bikes do um i don't know i mean funnily enough an a7 was one of my first british bikes and i i absolutely adored it but good it was maintenance heavy i think if you like british bikes it's just I'm always going to recommend the same bike. If you say, oh, I want my first British bike, I'm always going to say buy 1970s Bonneville because there's so many of them out there. They are so reasonably priced and they are so easy to fix. And that does not mean that the A10 is a bad bike. But I think I said at the time, and I'll say it again now, you kind of graduate up to an A10. I mean, Chris has kind of jumped in at the deep end of the pool a little bit. But I tell you what, it's a lovely looking bike. I mean, it's all red and chrome and shit. Um, and you know, BSA styling from the late fifties and early sixties is very, very charming. When you got to the late sixties, BSAs were very, very different looking bikes. They absolutely nailed the styling. Um, a lot more aggressive looking bike. Now that was my phone just pinging. Um, but yeah, well done. I mean, just take your time. Do not break the magneto or the dynamo, because you're just no. Don't break either of them. Titanium. Um, yes. Um, actually, I mean, it might have it might have gotten better now. I mean, the thing is, I'm very out of touch with who's doing what about British bikes in England anyway. Um, I know who not doing anything is. Boris Johnson. Oh, dear Boris. Too soon? <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> well, no, he's still in number well, 10. Actually, he's got, he's, he's, no, no, he's, he's going to have time left, to wrench. Yeah, no. no, he hasn't left yet. Yeah, I thought he had. I thought he did. No, has he left? I think he did the other night. Did he snuck out? Snuck? No, they, I know they had to have uh, an election, I think. Yes, but nevertheless, it's a lovely bike and one you should take a great amount of pride in. And I know that um, your dear old dad... Um, has entrusted you to be caretaker of it. And I'm sure um, you won't betray that trust. But what a lovely looking bike. I know, right? Um, US spec. It's got the high bars on it. And um, the chrome fairy came and visited it <laughs> in the night and bestowed a lot of chrome on it. Um, the UK ones had mud guards, or as you Americans insist on calling them, fenders. Um, we have fenders in England. They go around fireplaces. Yeah. Um but the, the UK ones had a fender in the same colour as the tank. I'm getting, I'm getting a gesture from Liza, which is either very rude or she's telling me to hurry up. Um, but it's a lovely bike, Chris. And I want you to enjoy it very much indeed, as you should. Thank you. Um, right, mate. That reminds me, of, I'm always telling Haley, like, Haley, you got to use all your letters. She's a 
Well, that is what we're talking about. Yeah, right, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Yeah, okay. All the letters. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ailey Bell. <laughs> again, big thanks to Mike Moore, who uh, yeah, he, also thanks, got, got you a pass to get in to the races. Oh, no, we were treated yes. like royalty, yeah. thanks to Mike Moore. I am indebted to you. And I actually, on Saturday, I was walking around looking for him, and I couldn't find him. I guess he was quite busy. Um, but um, I, I did want to thank him. But thank you, Mike. Really, it's... It was a wonderful gesture, and it was very, very gratefully accepted by myself, mm-hmm. Liza, and Jim. No, we didn't have passes from him. Just you. What? Yeah, it's just you. Ooh. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, in that case, I feel very, very special. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. Um, Thank you, Mike. Also, I wanted to give a big thanks to Tino, who at the shop today, when he came early, and I appointed him the tire pressure fairy. Yeah, Tino nice. truly is king of tire pressure. Uh, so he, every job. writer who came up, he asked him a couple of questions. Matt, did you get asked the questions? Yes, I got asked the questions. What was the first question? The question was, uh, do you want your tire pressure checked? And I said, well, sure, why not? And then it was, do you know what your tire pressures are supposed to be? 36-42. Yes, I do. And that's what I said. And then it was, do you want to guess at what they are right now? And I said, uh, front's probably 40 to 42, mm-hmm. rear's probably 45, 47. And sure enough, that's what they were at. It's the heat from yeah. the road. The heat was yes. on. The heat from the yes. road, don't you know? Let them cool down before you set them. But uh, it was just a reminder that we need to check our tires more often. And that was because yes. I rode my wonderful KTM 990 uh, to the races on Friday, and it felt really squishy. And then I found out mm. on Saturday... I only had 28 pounds in the front, which Ooh, that is, why is squishy. it wasn't feeling right in the turn. So I'm like, you know what? I bet you, wait, let's check everyone else and see, A, how many people know what it should be? Yes. Yep. How do you know? know. You well, know? on a sport so, bike, it's easy. Every frigging sport bike in the world is 3642, yeah. unless it's a lightweight when it's usually like 3336. But 3642 will get you down the road. Do I have to give... A, do I have time no. to give a misfit <laughs> top tip before we say goodnight? If you can do it in 30 seconds. I can. When you fill up your bike, check your tire pressures. And check your oil, too. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you, like Tino, cold. for being the tire pressure fairy today. King of tire thank pressure. You, Tino. <laughs> uh, but also, big thanks to our listeners and our Patreon subscribers. Emma, I think you got a new Ask Miss Emma Oh, I did, yeah, about dismantling the uh, instrument binnacle. So, uh, I'm I'm not sure whether it can be done, actually. Mm. No, I mean, I don't think it's designed to come apart. But there's a will, there's a way. I do know that you are quite good and go at length to help everyone who's the Ask Miss Emma tier and send you questions. So thank you for doing that. I love every one of them. Um, I curl up on the sofa with my little cat and we answer them together. Aw, nice. So I think on that token, we're ready to get out of here. Um, T-shirts are still for sale, available. Go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. You'll find them in the store. And they're uh, really good t-shirts too. I got one that it fits great. It's good material. Thumbs it, up. It yep. really accentuates your pecs. Yes, that's what they are. They're <laughs> my pecs. They are. That's quality are. stuff. Um, we got races again next weekend. And yes. then and then and then and then and then 
Vintage Days for me. And yeah. Emma and Kat's Alpine Adventure. Ooh-wee. I shall be wrapping a BMW around a lamppost in Italy. Oh, no. Please don't do that. Well, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. Let's get out of here. This is Liza. Numbnuts, Matt. Hey, give me the beans, darling. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool, cool. cool. cool.